we undersell the American people. We think, yes, Kansans are concerned about the price of wheat, uh, but they're also concerned about the dignity of an individual. And they know our United States role in this world, that we're the lead nation in the world. And if we will stand up and speak out against something, there's some influence with that. Well, they want to, they want to take care of their pocketbook, but they're also interested in what's happening to other people, and they want to use our force for good. Welcome to Crossing Face, where Christian and Muslim talk religion and politics. I'm John Pinna, and this is Ambassador Brownback, uh, Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom. Uh, he was appointed by the Trump administration. The current ambassador is uh, uh, Rashad Hussein uh, with the Biden administration, but you're still active in the international yeah. religious freedom yeah. realm. Um, and you're responsible for something, one of the touch points that is amazing in the Earth Movement. Since IRFA, the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998, which our listeners know very, very well. Scoot up a little bit, if, I could, if you yeah, could, sure. so you're in frame sure. a little bit. Sure. Um, you started the ministerial, which is a, is a profound moment uh, in the International Religious Freedom Movement. It, is, it's a, it was a, a, the first time that, that all uh, advocates from around the world and government officials came to talk about a specific issue of religious freedom. And, and, and everyone knows who you are um, in my listenership, but can you tell us a little bit about yeah, how know, that came about? Well, we call it the meeting of the hats. Okay. So, you know, I, I like your hats, colorful, <laughs> you know, and you, you've got different colorful You hats. always get into a photo when you have a funny hat on, you know? Well, you do, but at that, I mean, we had hats from Buddhists, and we had hats from Muslims, we had hats from Jews, and we had hats from Christians, and you know, you just we we at one point in time we wanted to get a row of hats and just show the hats, because it's just so rare that those hats get together. Right. You know, they they, they typically the you know birds of a feather flock together, and hats that are similar stay together too. But here it was; they were all getting together, and I think the real secret sauce to it was is that we weren't talking about theology. It wasn't about, okay, well, we, we believe this, you believe that, okay, we can't go that way. We were talking about a common human right that we were all struggling with right. and having trouble with. And so the hats could agree. Right. The hats could get together. Right, right. Uh, and you could throw them in there, and, and it was just, uh, it's, it's really been fun to see it mature. What a pivotal point, right? I remember that room. It was just massive at the Department of State. Yeah, and, every, and, every, and we were all moving and shaking. A lot of people that had, had been part of the National Religious Freedom Movement for years, and it had a sort of cyclical up and down. Now we're at the Earth Summit which is an appendage of the of the ministerial yeah. next next week will be the ministerial in uh in uh the uk right it'll yeah, be in london. london but what's the role of the earth summit in in conjunction with and how did it come about out of the res, out of the ministerial well we had those were ministerials were government meetings uh and we had a government track and we had a civil society track but you know typically governments come and go they decide they have different priorities this year we're going to do this this year we're going to do that civil society groups stay right they've started right where they are we are here to stand to protect persecuted christians or muslims or jews or hindus or what you know whatever the case is and this is why we exist and so what we found is we really needed to just have the civil society groups, the religions get together on a regular basis who are committed to this cause where governments may, it may be a priority one year, it's not a priority next year. And that's what this evolved out of. We had a civil society portion right. of those first ministerials 
And this is really kind of that civil society portion having spun off and stood up on their own to do an annual meeting, an annual gathering, an annual touch point uh, to build the team. Because long term, if we're going to be successful on this, it's got the movement's got to go grassroots. It's got to be, you know, in, in mosque around the world saying, we have a right to religious freedom. We have a right to believe what we want to be peaceful. As long as we're peaceful about it, we have a right to do this. And it's got to be, it's got to go grassroots if it's going to be sustainable. So you're not in any pointed position right now. No. You're a civilian. Yes. You're, you're, you're a boy from Kansas. Yes. Correct? So tell me how does a boy from Kansas actualize the idea of religious freedom. Where, when did this start as a civilian into your public life and then now back as a civilian again? That would be very, very helpful. You know, I mean, you, I drove across Kansas once when I was, I was, I was in uh, uh, Las Vegas for 10 years, but when I, I drove out there in my car and I remember seeing those mountains coming up, you know, the Rockies, and I stopped um, uh, to, at a rest stop and I, I saw the cornfields and I go, you know, it's really, it's really a beautiful state, you know? So, Tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how this is, has become a passion of yours from your upbringing. You know, I don't know where it was in the upbringing on this topic. I do know when I got, I got into the Senate, I just got elected to the Senate, and I had this staff member that joined me that was a religious freedom advocate. Uh, and she started, she was telling me about uh, these people that were enslaved hmm. uh, in Sudan. And I was going, slavery? In 1997? Yeah. That doesn't exist. And then, really, as a Kansan, it offended me because we come into the Union off of bleeding Kansas over the war of slavery. And even more personally than that, John Brown, who was the match that lit the fire, well, he used to stay on the property where my mom grew up in Oswatomie, Kansas. You know, and when he's at Harper's Ferry, and a lot of your listeners won't know any of this history, but this is American history. Harper's Ferry, he goes to raid this federal arsenal and he's going to give all the black slaves Slavery a gun, yeah. and this thing's going to be over in six months yeah. it's going to be it's going to be done i mean this is the plan when he's there and he's captured at the firehouse and they're yelling in at him they said is that oswatomie brown in there swatomy brown well oswatomie was the town my mom grew up no in, way and that's where he used to stay and that's where the battle of oswatomie had happened it was irregulars that were pro-slavery anti-slavery forces and it's where Brown declares there will not be peace in this land until the issue of slavery is resolved. Right and it's 10 years later, nearly 10 years later, that the Civil War launches. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's my history. That's my background. That's my place. Right. And so when they tell me about slavery, I said, no, we can't have slavery. Yeah. Tell me. I mean, at first, I just didn't believe it. And then they, I had, well, bring, bring some people in. Talk to me about it. And often it would involve then people of a different religion sure you know it was this it was government allowing it and so it really kind of uh went from that slavery issue into really confronting governments that aren't letting people live peaceful lives the way they want to if they're you know a lot of times against the dominant religion sure uh, is what it would what happened we were dealing with a lot of cases then the first one was the situation in Sudan. Sure. Uh, next, it was Central Asia, where you had these old Soviet-style former police states that right. continued to believe, be police states, and they weren't letting people practice faith. They were locking folks up in jail, and I started advocating. We got some people out, and I thought, wow, this is, this is a good use of a Senate position, yeah, is yeah. to get people to freedom. 
and I got addicted. Wonderful. I mean, I, what a what a sexy story because it does tie back to your tap, your your Kansas Kansas your Kansas past. It. I mean, I didn't know the connection to John Brown, but when I was I worked in the Northern Territories of Pakistan, and there's still serfdom up there, right? Yeah. And so you sit there and you can't believe that that's happening in the modern day age. Um, but yeah, you know, most people don't believe it happens. Yeah. You know, and you, you try telling me, you go, nah, I, I, I can't really think that that's true, but it is. It is. And yeah. it is. Yeah, and this is, international religious freedom really focuses on, translates back or distills down to the dignity of the human person. It does. And so when it comes to the dignity of the human person, respecting someone for who they are as a human, a human being, and, and, the, and the, the soul that they carry with them. And the, we're, we, we are advocates for freedom to believe, not believe, change, and, and, and actually your, your religion as you see fit. But when it comes to dignity of the human person, tell me a little bit about the connection between religious freedom and that dignity of the human person. I, I think it's central. I mean, most faiths believe that, uh, that you, have, you have a soul. The soul goes on eternally. Uh, what you choose to do with that soul is immensely important. It's probably the biggest decision you make in your lifetime. Uh, in Western world, uh, we often just kind of avoid it uh, because we kind of, oh, that's a really tough, big question. I'm just going to go to the ball game. Sure. Uh, but for most people in, throughout history of mankind, this has been the single biggest question they wrestle with. And it should be the one that we wrestle with, I think. Uh, so that's why that, it's the dignity of that individual soul that is precious, that's eternal, that's made, my estimation, in the image of God, that you're just going, well, if that's really what we're dealing with, then we're dealing with a really big question here, aren't we? And one that deserves a lot of, a lot of contemplation and a lot of, of interaction with other people that are wrestling with the same question in the hopes that I can get somewhere close to getting it right. Right, right, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where when it comes to translating international religious freedom, which doesn't necessarily, a lot of people, it's a new concept for, and then they think of the collaboration, the sea of hats, like you were saying. I think that there's um, an opportunity for everyone to get involved in their own little way. And so we talk about this global movement. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of our listeners are, are, are very young, uh, millennials, Gen Z, who are looking for uh, Direction, and they don't have a chance to speak to you directly. But and this is it. So if if there was three things that that you could impart upon our listenership about what what do, how they can participate in this movement uh, for themselves and for their community and for the movement, maybe you could talk a little bit about that for them. Yeah, I, the first thing I urge young people to do is not only form your mind particularly Western young people, don't only, not only form your mind, form your heart, form your soul. So we, we put a lot of emphasis in the West on developing the mind of reason, and that's important. But we also need to form a heart of character. And we really, to me, that's the number one. You know, number two, really, is just become aware of a situation or situations that, that strikes you as important. Uh, and maybe somebody that you've met that has a family member that's been persecuted um, in Nigeria or, uh, or Pakistan or in India or somewhere in the United States and you, you go and that's not right uh, and, and let it stir your heart you know I, I think too often we kind of go yeah it didn't right but but this happened with you with the slavery issue you mm -hmm. could have ignored it 
right? So, the, so, the, so you went through this yourself, right? I did. And 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 used your office for the for the betterment and the development into the Earth Movement, but the betterment of of the health and welfare of those those people who are under the under the arm of slavery. And so, it, so it's not something that you're just telling somebody, no, right? You, it, you you had that actuation yourself. Well, and actually, it is strange, but there was a TV show done on it. Uh, the old series Touched by an Angel oh, yes, uh, yeah. that, that I really enjoyed. Um, when I started getting involved in this anti-slavery movement, uh, they did a show on it because they just thought, and I, I mean, I wasn't named as a character or anything, but they kind of modeled it after this saying, well, here's a guy from Kansas that ought to be interested in wheat prices if he's going to get reelected, right. and what's he doing messing with slavery? Right, right. <laughs> well, but it turns out, you know, you, you, we undersell the American people. We think, well, yes, Kansans are concerned about the price of wheat, uh, but they're also concerned about the dignity of an individual, and they know our United States role in this world, that we're the lead nation in the world. And if we will stand up and speak out against something, there's some influence with that. And I found, I did just fine on getting reelected, working on issues against slavery and for human rights, even though it was other places around the world, because, we, like we say, we undersell the American public that you just got to take care of their pocketbook and they're interested. Well, they want to they take care of their pocketbook, but they're also interested in what's happening to other people, and they want to use our force for good. They want to use America for good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's there's a, 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 a tremendous opportunity in the Earth Movement to do something for good. And that's what yeah. you're doing right now. And so maybe you could talk about where what is what is the civilian ambassador, the ambassador, the ambassador that's of international religious freedom that is a civilian at this point. What is he doing? Earth Summit, uh, the ministerial. But tell us a little bit about your organization. Tell us a little bit about who you are now and, and the presence you have in the world and what you're trying to do. Well, I, you know, I, I honestly thought uh, the last job I held as ambassador for religious freedom was the most important job I've held. And I've been a U.S. senator and a governor and a congressman, but I thought this is the most important because it affects the most people. If we can get true religious freedom where people are free to, to follow their own hearts globally, that that's, affects billions of people. And so what... And I remember a story. I, I'll tell you a little story about you. That when we had the the ceremony at Yusuf to bring you in as the ambassador, oh, yeah. I knew your human rights um, record with slavery and how you were interacting with internationalist freedom before you got appointed. You turned to your wife at the stair at the, at the bottom of the stairs and said, "We're back." <laughs> <laughs> and I was right there when you did that. And I knew what it meant. It meant that you were back working in human rights. You were working back on, on these issues that were so important to you. And it was a, it was a, it was a precious moment that you kind of shared with me uh, 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 on, the, on the peripherals. But I was in that orbit at that time. And it was yeah. a beautiful moment because um, it, it, it meant a lot to you. It did. It did because it's, uh, to me it's really critically important. And I'd been seven years as governor of Kansas, which I love my state. And, you know, we worked hard, we did a good job, and we got a lot done as governor, but you don't do as much human rights work there. Uh, and now when I'm back in it, I'm just going, yeah, this, this really feels good and right. And I, I just think people also, a lot of times they limit their own sphere of what they could do. Uh, and if they would just follow their, follow their hearts, follow their dream, um, it'll lead them into things that they don't even dream possible. I mean, I'm a young boy growing up on a farm in eastern Kansas. Uh, I didn't dream about this. Right. 
I, I didn't even know some of the places I've been uh, to. But you know, when you, you start following your heart, and my, I'm a man of faith, I follow Jesus, it just it opens up the world to a, a whole new set of possibilities. Uh, and you, you, you just try to do what's right and what, what's right next in front of you. And I think a lot of people need to just look at their lives that way. Uh, not so much as that they've got a limited sphere of things they can do because they're from wherever it might be, but that they've got an unlimited chance of possibilities. Uh, but, but they've got to open themselves up to do it and uh, be it, and it's going to be difficult at times, and it's going to be unusual terrain, and it's going to be places that they never thought about. And, but if it's in your heart and the, and the Lord's leading you that way, this is the God of the universe we serve. Right. In my estimation, he, uh, he has no limits. Right. And if I get to do things with him, there's nothing that yeah. we can't do. So the civilian ambassador has an organization, and what's it doing right now? Tell us that. that tell us. Well, we're doing this summit. This is our yeah. second summit, International Religious Freedom Summit, uh, bringing together all these different faith communities and really trying. The, the objective here is to inter, interrelate the faith communities on a grassroots movement, so that uh, the International Religious Freedom Roundtable uh, movement, where you're getting all these different faiths together around a roundtable in each country, to stand for each other's religious freedom. Um, that's what this is trying to help facilitate those connections. So it's bringing people together so that they can build projects and build hearts together. Uh, and together we'll be successful. If it's just Christians standing up for Christians or Muslims standing up for Muslims, it won't work because, you know, as soon as you stand up for Muslims, then, well, sure, you're going to stand up for Muslims. Sure. That's who you are. But if you stood up for a Jewish person's religious freedom, people would kind of go, well, why are you interested in doing that? Well, I believe in religious freedom. I believe this guy has human rights. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, it's got, it's got more oomph to it. It's got yeah. more power to it. Right on. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, and, uh, but our listenership is, really appreciates the thoughtful words uh, and, and making the time for them because sure. we understand these concepts, they, and, and, and we've been working so hard to uh, communicate and, and answer questions for our listenership. But one of them was, hey, uh, if you're going to the summit, grab the ambassador. I go, I don't know how easy it will be to grab the ambassador. But I know it has a lot less staff now. So maybe I'll be a little bit luckier yeah. doing so. <laughs> um, and, and so uh, very thoughtful for you to think of me and think of, of, uh, of, of using this as a conduit to speak to uh, a, gener- a global generation, almost 80 million strong, uh, who are, are listening and, and are, are, don't have access to um, the kind words and also to your breadth of experience. So I appreciate you taking the time and thank my you so pleasure. much. Very gracious of you. My pleasure, thank John. you, my friend.